What has the Lord done for us? He has given us his word to comfort us, to guide us, to challenge us. Father, we pray that as we turn to your word, you would put it in our hearts, that it would do its work, that you have purposed it to do today in us. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to take your Bible, if you brought one, turn it to Jonah, chapters 3 and 4. If you don't have a Bible, um, you might be able to find one in one of the seats in front of you, or you can find one on your phone, or you can come up to me after the worship service, and I will give you a Bible. I'm going to read two chapters today, but they're short. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days in Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. And a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people... And animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned away from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring them on, did not bring them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said? Lord, when I was still at home, that is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Now, Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city, and there he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort, and Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry that I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight, and it died overnight. And should I not have concern 
for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. This is a two-part message, series, or look at the book of Jonah. What is the book of Jonah all about? Well, if we had asked the kids when they were on their way out, uh, they probably, listen, if you had asked, if you asked many people that today, they probably would say, well, it's about, it's, Jonah's about the, he's the guy that got swallowed by the, by the whale. Right? That's what Jonah's known for. That's what people think of Jonah. Uh, but the more that we look at this book, the more that we will realize that there is so much more to it. Now, let me tell you what I think this book is about. I'm going to give it to you uh, here on a slide, and you can fill in notes if you would like. It's about this. You've got a calling powered by the compassion of God. Jonah shows us, shows you, that you have a calling, and it is powered by the compassion of God. It's a story about a calling. God called Jonah to, uh, to be a prophet to the enemies of the, the Hebrew people, uh, to go to the Assyrians who were living in, in the great city of Nineveh, and about him running away from this call. Now, Jonah finally answered that call, but only after, in his running away from the call, he got on a boat sailing across the Mediterranean Sea. A storm came sent by God. Jonah was thrown overboard so that the the storm would subside, and then God provided the great fish to swallow him up. Now, many people think that that's the biggest miracle of of the the, the book right there, that that this fish came in and swallowed him up. In fact, I think that's why some people say and think it was a big whale because they're having a hard time figuring out how this guy fit in the belly of a fish and was there for three days, and then that fish swam up close to the shore and spit Jonah out. Um, we, we think that's, 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 the, that's the biggest miracle of the book, clearly, right? Um, I see it differently. <laughs> I, I see, the, I see the, the biggest miracle a little differently. Uh, see, Jonah, once he went out, uh, he went to the, to, the, to the city of Nineveh. This is a city that is known for its cruelty. Uh, the Assyrians boasted about their violent ways. We have ancient art. Ancient art is what, you know, it, it reflects the culture of a society, cultural values. Ancient art depicting the Assyrians skinning people alive, uh, depicting the ancient Assyrians uh, dismembering people, lopping off their hands and their feet. Uh, just just a, a very wicked and, and, and violent and cruel society. And, and the rest of, of the book of Jonah tells about Jonah going into ground zero of the enemies of the Hebrew people, the city of Nineveh, its capital city, and speaking five words in Hebrew, which is translated into eight words that I read this morning. Forty more days in Nineveh will be destroyed. That's it. That's his message. He's walking through the city, and that's his message. And if you didn't know what happened next, because we just read it, 
what would you expect to happen next to Jonah, him in this violent city saying, 40 more days and the city's going to be destroyed? Yeah, if you were writing this, you would, yeah, Jonah, and then he's, he's beheaded, you know, or he's a goner. Uh, that's the ending that we would write for Jonah. He'd be a dead man. But that didn't happen. Instead, there is revival in the nation. That's the biggest miracle in Jonah. The biggest miracle is that the city listened to Jonah, and they actually considered their evil ways, and they turned around, and God forgave them. That's the biggest miracle. The biggest miracle is that 120,000 people repented and God relented. That's, that's the biggest miracle in Jonah. So you see, this story really is about this compassionate God who loves this city, who calls a man to, to go to that city and call it to repentance. Now I want to look at three verses that highlight the unexpected compassion of God. Uh, one, chapter 3, verse 9, when the king of Nineveh calls his people to this extreme repentance, so extreme that you know, he actually dressed up animals, and sackcloth, that's, that's extreme repentance. And the king says, who knows, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And like I mentioned, those Assyrians, uh, they were known to be very cruel. Human rights, not valued with the Ninevites, whereas God, let's talk about how crazy this compassion is, God it doesn't take you long reading through the Bible to realize that, that God calls us to protect those who are vulnerable, those who are weak. Um, God calls us to that, to, to lift up the value of a human life. Well, that's not being celebrated in Nineveh at all. And so if there's a candidate for God saying, let's just start over with a clean slate, it's this city of Nineveh, isn't it? I mean, if God had said, let's, whoop, let me just wipe you all out, start over, uh, we wouldn't have been, that, 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 that's probably what we would have chosen to do. But the king of Nineveh, hearing Jonah's prophetic pronouncement, called the city to this, just this crazy repentance. And they dress up their animals, like, you know, people, they dress up their animals today. And what do we do when we see someone dressing up their pets? We kind of make fun of them. Well, God didn't make fun of them for doing that. He saw their desperation, and he showed compassion. That's extreme compassion. Two, the very next verse, uh, chapter 10, uh, uh, verse 10 of chapter 3. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Now, why did I highlight those two words? Uh, The word uh, relent is the word for feeling sorry for. Um, In other places in the Bible, it's translated as feeling sorry for or even repenting. Um, The word for destruction, it's the word for evil. It's the same word that God said of the Ninevites when he told Jonah, go, go prophecy against them because of the evil that they are committing. 
a King James Version, those of you who might be looking at that translation this morning, uh, you will see that it reads, And God repented of the evil he had said that he would do unto them. Isn't that, isn't that fascinating? Now, that does not mean that God would have been evil to destroy Nineveh. Um, as the Ninevites, they were, they were wicked people deserving judgment. Um, so how do we make sense of God relenting from the destruction that he had threatened? Well, God knows, just as the actions of the Ninevites are horrific to him, the judgment that he could bring on the Ninevites, that would be horrific to them. And, and I think that helps us see how God felt sorry in this moment. God felt sorry for them as he considered what would happen if he had indeed uh, exercised his judgment on the people. He felt sorry for the Ninevites, for the judgment he could have brought. Now, what is that when you feel sorry like that? That's compassion. That's compassion. God had compassion, and he was going to give the Ninevites more time. Now, the interesting thing is that Nineveh does ultimately get destroyed. Uh, One of the other minor prophets in the Bible, uh, Nahum, actually uh, writes about the destruction of Nineveh. And uh, let me read a little bit from from Nahum. Chapter 1, verses 7 and 8 say this, The Lord is good. A refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him, but with an overwhelming flood, he will make an end of Nineveh. He will pursue his foes into the realm of darkness. So the Lord is a refuge for those who trust in him. So I'm wondering if Nahum was, was actually thinking of the great repentance of Nineveh under the prophecy, the prophetic work of Jonah, and how they took refuge in the Lord, and the, and the Lord. Um, save them in that moment of trouble. But apparently that repentance that was seen in the city of Nineveh, it it didn't continue on in perpetuity. And it's 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 not permanent repentance. And years down the road, God does bring judgment on Nineveh. And you might wonder, so why does God relent in Jonah's day when he knows that, you know, not too long, uh, you know, they would turn back to their evil ways and, and God would, would wind up exercising his judgment and, and destroying them. Why bother, in other words, God? If, if, if just a few, you know, decades, hundred years or so, they're going to they're gonna turn away from you, why bother? And, and I think this is the answer, that God is so ready to show mercy to those who turn to him. He's, he's, he's a God of compassion. Let's not forget that about God. That God is a God of compassion. And may this give you great hope this morning. If you've made a mess of things, know that God is just ready and waiting to show great compassion when you turn to him. God doesn't spend his time thinking of reasons why he shouldn't show his mercy, in other words. He doesn't look ahead to when we'll mess up again and say, well, you know, let's just get on to that. No, he... He's so quick to show mercy in the present. Three. Chapter 4, verse 3. Jonah explains why he ran away from God's calling in the first place. And he says, 
God, that is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish, because I knew that you were a gracious and a compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. See, when God spares Nineveh, Jonah is not impressed with that. He's disheartened by that. And I, I've, I've wondered this week, why did God choose Jonah? Seriously. Why, why, I mean, let's think about that for a moment. Why did God choose Jonah? He could have chosen a more agreeable prophet. He could have chosen someone who uh, wasn't so obstinate. And we have this amazing scene in, in chapter 4 of Jonah just pouting before God. God, why didn't you just destroy them? I'm so angry. And God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? And see, God's not talking about Jonah being angry with the Ninevites, I think. I think God is talking about Jonah being angry with God for showing mercy to the Ninevites. And Jonah doesn't answer. He just sits. He sits and he waits to see what's going to happen to the city. I mean, he might have sat there for the 40 days. I don't know. He just sits there. God, what are you going to do? And then he finds out God's going to show mercy. (laughs) Oh, we can be so quick to ask for God's judgment on those who offend us, who we find, we see as our enemies. Um, We can be so quick to say, God, just take care of them. Like, not not in a good way, not take care of them, but just take care of them, God. So one of the reasons that God chose Jonah is so we could see him in this struggle of his and then think for ourselves, when am I like that? When am I like Jonah? Uh, When do I sit back and gaze uncaringly at people who disagree with me or those who have offended me or those that I disagree with? Um, This book challenges us on how we should respond to or react to others. Question for us this morning. Do we look at people more as as inconveniences or as investments? In other words, are you more irritated by people who are different than you rather than seeing them, I, I need to invest my myself in their life? So why did God choose Jonah? I think the key is in Jonah's message to the Ninevites. Where in chapter 3, verse 4, he says, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. See, that that word for overthrown, it can definitely refer to destruction, like a a kingdom being overthrown um, by, by another kingdom. But it can also refer to a change in heart. You know, a couple months ago, we talked about the book of 1 Samuel and, and the first king of Israel, Saul. And, 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 and God selected Saul to be, to be king, and Saul wasn't a particularly religious fellow at all. And he did, doesn't really care for God all that much, it seems like, sometimes Saul. <laughs> but Samuel tells Saul, um, chapter 10, verse 6 of 1 Samuel, He tells Saul, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will be changed into a different person. And that's the same word for overthrow or overturned. God was going to overthrow his heart. 
You see, the truth of Nineveh is that it was going to be overthrown one way or the other. Jonah had a fail-proof message. It was going to be overthrown either in its heart, as they repented and turned to God, or it would have been overthrown and destroyed. Either way, they were going to change. So God chose Jonah not just so that the Ninevites could be overthrown and turn to God, but so that Jonah himself could be overthrown in his heart and turn to God. He needed to see the self-righteous attitude in his own heart. God asked Jonah a second time, is it right for you to be angry? Don't you see, Jonah? You are upset with me showing mercy, but I had to show that same mercy to you. Now let me say one thing. It's really important, and it's this. Overthrow is what God wants for Nineveh and for Jonah and for us. Overthrow of our hearts. That's what God wants. Has God overthrown your heart? Overturned it. When you think of God, you think God, your love, your compassion, it's, it's, it's amazing, it's incredible, it's unfathomable. I thought of Psalm 63, verse 3. Your loving kindness, God, is better than life. Wow. Your loving kindness is better than the beating of my heart or the air that I breathe, my existence, Lord. Do you believe that? That, That's a sign of an overthrow of your heart. When you say, God, your love is better than life. There's nothing else in life that I want more than you, God, so I'm putting you first. And you call me to tell others about your compassionate love, and I want to do that. See, one of the things that this book of Jonah does is that is it begs us to think about this question: What do I care more about than the eternal destinies of these souls that are living around us, many of whom are quite different than we are, but whom God loves very much? So that's a good question to ask. Jonah was caring more about this plant that was growing up and giving him shade than he was for the city of Nineveh. So have you been overthrown in your heart? How do I do that? Three, three short points. One, let God, God's compassion change your heart. Let God's compassion change your heart. Um, let me show you how, how, and I don't want to make it into one singular moment, but how this happened in my life. Um, I think it was in my early 20s that my heart was overthrown for the Lord. Uh, many of you know that my mom died of cancer in 1995. Um, I, was, I was 22 years old. And when I heard my mom's condition was terminal, I said, okay, God. And I just remember this thought. I said, God, you're, you're taking away the person that loves me more than anyone else in the world. And just that profound thought. The person that I know loves me more than anyone else is, is leaving. And what I realized is when you are confronted with that great of a loss, Either you can let despair take over or you can let hope take over. 
one of those two things are going to take over and rule your life. And I realize my only hope, the only hope that I have is that God one day is going to set everything right. One day when God sets everything straight, we're going to see Jesus face to face and, and we're, going to, we're going to look back on every deep pain and disappointment in life and we're going to say, one day we're going to say, that was it? That was all? I was so afraid, God, when that happened. I was so afraid. But you told me over and over again in your word, don't be afraid. And now looking back, God, I wish I just would have trusted you a lot more when you told me. Don't be afraid. See, that's what's going to happen one day when we see Jesus and he makes all things right. And when your heart is overturned with that hope, you want to help other people to know that hope. So I want you to think about what is overturning your heart? What is giving you hope? Where are you finding hope from the Lord? You think about that, and then you dwell on that. And you think about it some more, and you reflect on some more, and you think... If I didn't have that, I would have nothing. But because I have that hope, I have everything. So let God's compassion change your heart. Two, know that God chooses you and not somebody else. (laughs) At least not someone else to do the job that he's calling you to do. Uh, Jonah, God didn't get a replacement prophet for Jonah. God could have easily said, all right, Jonah, yeah, you, you, now you're in the belly of the fish, and that's what you'll be. You know, he, could have, he could have said something like that. He didn't. He brings Jonah back. And, and he, he just doesn't relent in his call, right? He doesn't say, oh, you didn't really want to do that. Okay, I'll find someone else. No, he calls him a second time. I'm calling you to Nineveh. Buddy, go there to that great city. So God chooses you, not someone else. Paul Hahnemann, God chose Paul to ministry as a, as a hospital chaplain, chaplain. Paul, remember, as you are visiting with people in the hospital, you're representing the, the compassionate Lord. And you're able to be of that incarnate compassion to the people that you that you see and visit with. And folks, you may not be called to hospital chaplaincy, you may not be called to some ministry profession, but God indeed calls each and every Christian to be a witness of his compassion to others. Don't think, oh, God will just get someone else to do what he's inviting me to do, because he's calling you. And three, remember that God paid an infinite price for your salvation. See, why was Jonah initially so opposed to the Ninevites receiving God's mercy? Because he didn't believe that they deserved it. But notice that Jonah had no problems when, when God showed him mercy, when he let, brought that plan up to provide him shade, Jonah doesn't say, no, no, God, you cut that out because I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner. I don't need that plant from you. I don't deserve it. He didn't say it. He's like, this is a great plant. 
I love it. And when the plant that is here today and gone tomorrow withers, Jonah says, I wish, I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. And what does that tell you? It tells you that Jonah believed that he deserved, in some way, God's blessings more than the Ninevites did. And if that is so, then he lost sight of, or maybe he never knew in the first place, that his salvation rested entirely on God's grace and none of his own goodness. So do you know that God paid an infinite price so that you could have salvation? He gave the life of his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus' life is of infinite, infinite value. God paid that because of his infinite love for you. And when you realize that you contributed absolutely nothing, your own salvation, that God said, I'm paying all of this infinite price. You can contribute nothing to it. That will change you. That will change you. And there is no room for hating others or only wanting others. All all that it leaves room for is only wanting others to come to know the same love that has saved you. So we're going to pray in a moment. I want you to think about God's calling to you to show compassion, his compassion to others. Maybe God will bring to mind someone. Maybe someday this week, a week coming up, God will bring someone in your path and you'll say, aha, this is it, God. This is what you're calling me to do, show compassion. And I also want to invite you, if you've never received that infinite love of God, you can do that this morning. You can do that this morning and say, God, thank you for sending your son to die for me. See, Jesus was, he was overthrown. He, he experienced the ultimate overthrow, overthrow to the point of death, so that my heart, so that your heart could be overthrown and so that we can live for God. And you can do that this morning. And just receive that love of Jesus Christ into your life. Let's pray. God, you are good. We pray that your goodness would never leave our minds that the awareness of your goodness would never leave our hearts. That this awareness of your goodness, the reality of your goodness, the experience of your goodness would give us continued hope and joy and peace. And Father, we want to glorify you with our lives. We want to help do the work of your kingdom We pray that you would give us sacrificial hearts, pure hearts, hearts that are full of your love, hearts that are willing to go where you ask us to go and do what you ask us to do and love those that you bring before us to love. And may we be the compassion of Jesus Christ to them. 
We pray this in his name. Amen.